Finally, the European vision on Macron is winning. The vision of uh, the necessity of uh, rearmament, of uh, more commitment to power and strength. Hello and welcome to Think Atlantic, a series by IRI's Transatlantic Strategic Division in which we provide you with thought leadership for the future of the transatlantic space. My name is Thibaut Meserg and I am your host for this show. Today we are going to talk about France once again as the country is headed for the uh, second round of its presidential elections this Sunday. But unlike the last episode two weeks ago, this time we are going to talk not about France's electoral situation, but rather about France's foreign policy, and in particular, the foreign policy of Emmanuel Macron. Uh, we will see this Sunday if he gets a, a, a second term. Uh, for this important conversation, I am joined by Isabelle Lasserre, who is a well-known French journalist working at Le Figaro, one of the uh, newspapers of record in France. And uh, she serves there as deputy editor-in-chief of the foreign policy department. A former war reporter, she was awarded the Diplomatic Press Prize in 1999 for her reports in Kosovo and the Caucasus. Isabelle is also an author. And her last book, uh, Macron, Le Disrupteur, was released a few months ago. If you read French, it is definitely a must-read. Isabelle, many thanks for joining us today and welcome to the show. Hello, Thibault. So uh, before we get into the details of Macron's foreign policy, uh, let's take a step back and look more generally at, at, at France's uh, uh, foreign policy. I know there's always uh, a talk for, for, for presidents of France who say, l'état c'est moi, but uh, it, it is actually not, not the case. And, and, and there are really long-term and, and really systemic uh, uh, foreign policy objectives that, that France has been uh, pursuing, I would say, uh, at least since uh, 1945. And of course, you know, when, when, when people talk about France these days, usually it's, it, it's through the Macron's famous or infamous quotes, there's make the planet great again, the brain dead NATO uh, comment, and so on and so forth. But, uh, really, if we want to understand uh, where Macron comes from, the extent to which he is a, a disruptor, which we'll discuss in a minute, uh, we need to understand the, the foundations of, of, of French forest policy. So, Isabelle, I'm giving you a, a, an impossible mission because I know that this deserves a whole podcast and even more. But, but could you in just three, four minutes tell us about how the French foreign policy establishment in the, the Quedorcia, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, views the world and, and what are the French pursuing at the international level? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the best the, the best way to, to answer the, the, the question is to um, pass uh, two or three minutes on the French specificities in foreign policy. And I think the first one, which... Uh, makes France different from the other European countries is that uh, France is a global power. It's a nuclear power. Uh, it has a permanent seat at the Security Council of the United Nations, a colonial, colonial past, and since the Brexit, France is the only one in, in Europe to have a, a, a real um, a global vision of the, of the world. It means that France is really aware of the 
dangerousness of the world and the geopolitical modifications. Uh, it means also that France is um, intervening a lot in Sahel, for example, um, is leading some uh, international crises like uh, the GCPOA negotiation in the, in the nuclear um, Iran crisis. Uh, the, the second specificity, which is directly arising from the first, is that France is acting like if it was a major power. But in fact, for years now, it's only a middle power. And it's absolutely having a lot of uh, impact of, in, of uh, its foreign policy. Uh, why is France a middle power? Um, most of this reason is because of its economic weakness, which uh, leads to the reduction, which has led to the reduction of the defense budget, and which today leads to the reduction of the diplomatic staff. Uh, you, you also have to, to add to that the, the chronic indebtedness of the, of the, of the country. In, in the world, this is the, three, the third French specificity, uh, French sees itself as a balancing power, a power of mediation. Uh, it pretends not to be aligned on the USA. It pretends to be not opposed to Russia. Well, it was before the Ukrainian war. It pretends not to be opposed to China, and it has for um, years and years uh, a, a, mist a mistrust, a permanent mistrust towards NATO. And then the other specificity could be that um, because France is a, is a global power, it sees Europe as a world power. It always had an ambition of uh, uh, building a strategic Europe, even if it's France is finally quite alone to defend that goal. On the, um, international goals France defends, it depends because really, I mean, it, it, it can... It, you have uh, you can have differences from a president to another, but definitely uh, the European policy, the defense of a strategic Europe, is definitely uh, the main uh, national goal of all the presidents for let's say uh, ten or even fifteen years. The second one would be uh, a real willing of secure the contours of the Mediterranean Sea and um, a strong uh, winning of fight against the terrorism. This is, at the, at the, at the, this is the base of the intervention in the Sahel and in the, in the Mali. Uh, in Africa also, I mean, there's a, a, a goal uh, for the years, the last years, which is to try to save the, the, the influence that France always had on its what it considered like its private reserves. So that would be uh, the main international goals which I would say um, are all the, the goals of all the, the different presidents. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think uh, if we if, if I want to to put that in a, in, a, in a nutshell and very quickly, you have a global power, although a, also a mid-ranking power, punching above its weight or trying to, looking at the EU as a lever 
for uh, global power and uh, looking mostly south for influence. So now that we've laid the the, the foundations of of French foreign policy, let's discuss a little bit uh, Emmanuel Macron. Um, and, and here I'd, I'd like to, to, to get to the title of your book, because you, you claim, I think rightly so, that, that, that Macron is, is a disruptor, not only in French politics, but also in French foreign policy. And, and it is true that Macron has imposed a, a very specific style that you describe in your book that has uh, been problematic for, for a few people at the Quai d'Orsay, the French Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And there, there are talks, of course, of the, the, the coup d'éclat permanent, the cavalier seul, and, and, and many other words that, that in French sound very uh, uh, disruptive, in French at least, right? Uh, uh, but beyond the style, substantially, what has changed with Emmanuel Macron in terms of foreign policy? Or, or maybe to be more specific, what are the areas in which Macron has been the most disruptive? Yeah, I mean, the main area where he has been the most disrupting is the style and the method. And this is a total changing um, uh, in France. I mean, Emmanuel Macron doesn't rely a lot on the foreign affairs ministry and on the diplomats. He always says um, that he doesn't like the diplomats. He finds that they are too slow, that it takes too long to... to to have a, a decision and that the decision, this decision is too uh, consensual. Um, he says that uh, in the world today, with all the new threat, with the changing, I mean, in, in this very dangerous and very fast-moving world, you have to act very quickly and that the diplomats and the administrations are not able to act as quickly as he expects them. So that's why he prefers to build some very small teams able to make diplomatic coups in, let's say, two weeks or maximum uh, three weeks. So he, he, he would choose uh, one person in the civil, one person in the, in the, in the uh, secret services, uh, one person uh, here or here, and then just like five or six persons, and ask them to to do a diplomatic coup. I, I would take a I take an example when in 2017, just uh, a few months after his election, he decided to bring in Paris the enemy brothers of Libya. Uh, Saraj and the Maréchal Haftar. So he brought them in Saint-Cloud near, near Paris uh, to try to, you know, force them to make uh, the peace. So it didn't work, but this was a kind of real diplomatic coup. The embassy was not aware of this uh, of this coup, and the, the foreign affairs ministry was not aware of this coup. So he, he, it was a small, very small tip who acted alone. So this is the Macron method, which is totally different from the previous one. And that is the, the, the area where he is the most disruptor. If you take after, if you take um, some other examples with the style, with it, which is different, let's, let's remember, uh, you, you, you talk about that, but the, the, the brain-dead formula, Macron has formulas that uh, uh, he's the, the first one to use like that. Of course, the brain-dead formula, everybody was uh, d- did agree 
um, on the, 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 the essence of the project. But uh, it was the timing which, is, which was not fitting well and the fact that Macron didn't um, ask I mean, prevent, tell, tell its partners uh, before, like, for example, Angela Merkel, who just learned the, the, the formula uh, 30 minutes before a press conference. She had to, to with, with, uh, with the Secretary General of, of NATO. Um, he's acting also differently uh, with people like Donald Trump. I mean, I mean, I guess another French president would have acted like much more like Angela Merkel, with a lot of distance with this kind of populist uh, president. No, Emmanuel Macron um, acts. I mean, he's more pragmatic and more realistic, and he tried to be friend with Trump. He tried to be friend with. Erdogan, he tried to befriend with Orban, and at the same time, um, he confronted them uh, a lot. It worked not badly with Turkey. His kind of fight with Erdogan finally was a kind of a um, succeed deterrence. If you take some other areas, I would say that Africa is probably the, the, the most, uh, I mean, the place where he has been the most disruptor. First, um, he has pushed further the will of break with the traditional France-Afrique, much more than its predecessor. The France-Afrique are the special links that French is having with all its ex-colonies. Second, um, for example, on this, on this Africa willing of um, getting rid of, of the France-Afrique, he, the last summit, France-Afrique, which is usually a kind of big mess in Paris or in Africa between the French president and all the um, big uh, uh, African president of the Francophone Afrique. This was finished this year. Macron replaced it with a summit of the young people. So there was no president, no chief of government, only the youth. He also decided, and this is the first time, to try to um, increase its influence in the anglophone Anglo-Saxon Africa, like, for example, he put one of his uh, main uh, advisor and friend ambassador in South Africa. He really tried to um, uh, advise the, the, the big uh, economic enterprise in France to invest in the Anglo-Saxon Africa. This was really the first time. And at least he succeeded to make the reconciliation with Rwanda and the Rwanda of Kagame. You know that, uh, I mean, France has been um, accused uh, to, to have a, a, a role, a negative role during the, the and to have armed uh, the people who after will commit the, the genocide in uh, 1994. So he succeeded to, to, to make this reconciliation. Uh, Syria was also a kind of a disruptive policy in a way um, since 2011 the French politics was to say 
basically on a sentence, no negotiation um, until Bashar al-Assad uh, is still in power. And the French politics have kept announcing that uh, Bashar had to go, had to resign, and will, of course, very quickly quit the power. So when he comes to, to power, uh, Macron made a, an aggiornamento on the French-Syrian politics, saying, uh, well, Bashar al-Assad uh, is here, and he stopped with the policy of no negotiations with Bashar al-Assad until he's here. Uh, last thing I would say, um, I think um, as a realist and a pragmatic, he definitely has uh, is less engaged in the traditional foreign policy on human rights, which is a, a mark of, of France. He, it's not that he doesn't care, but he says that the, the the period of the right to intervene, which was kind of created in France by the, the ex-Foreign Affairs Minister Bernard Kouchner, is totally over, and that today it's counterproductive to speak to the uh, big chief of states, uh, uh, asking them to uh, free a prisoner or to take care of the human rights. So he is taking that into account, but more uh, discreetly, not making uh, it publicly. So these are the, the main um, areas, according to me, he's, he's been the most disruptor. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, this is great because we, we moved, uh, while, while you answered my question, we, we started to move very uh, very quickly into more substantive issues, not, not only about the style. Uh, and, and let's talk a little bit about uh, about substance and, and, and about the results. And of course, looking at the current events uh, right now, we cannot avoid a chat about France's relationship with Russia, which I understand is is very complex uh, and has a lot of observers, uh, partly in the United States and, and even more so in Central Europe, puzzled. And, and, and one thing that has been surprising to many is the extent to which Macron has, has, has moved during his term to, to embrace maybe not full reconciliation or full opening, but, but some sort of open-door policy towards Russia, which included the, the, the reintegration of Russia in the Council of Europe, which France pushed for in 2019. Uh, he hosted, Macron hosted Putin uh, in his summer residence, and he praised uh, the idea of a, a Europe from Brest to, to, to Vladivostok. Um, of course, the, the war in Ukraine, I mean, Macron, I'm not saying here, of course, that Macron uh, is pro-Moscow. And when you see who is against him uh, in, the, in the presidential election, it, it is clear that, that, that he is not. But, but um, and, and, and of course, you know, the situation, the Russia's war in Ukraine uh, has shown that, that France could be, uh, could be actually hawkish uh, on, on some issue, or at least Macron was at the, at, at the beginning of the, of the war. But, you know, coming from the for, for, from a Central European perspective or a British perspective, for example, that there, there is a lot of bad blood about about France's position towards towards Russia. So uh, maybe to try to 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 avoid the misunderstanding, uh, I'm going to ask you the question in, in in this way: What was what what has Macron tried to achieve with Russia, and would you say he has had any win? Well, yes. Um, 
Not really, but you know, first, I mean, I think Russia is really um, the issue where Macron has not been disruptor. He came to the to this issue like each of the French president, each of its predecessors came first a kind of rapprochement at the beginning, and then at the end of the mandate, um, terrible relations. Uh, so it's really all the, pres- the French presidents have done the same um, trip <laughs> uh, to, w- w- with Russia. Uh, if you take the first meeting um, in the just when Macron is elected in uh, in Versailles when he received uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, um, this meeting was not problematic. Of course, Macron was. I mean. Uh, Offered uh, an opening to 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 Vladimir Putin, but in the meantime, um, he I mean, there was an analysis of the differences. He had a very very hard voice on human rights and uh, about uh, Russia today and Sputnik that he qualified like you know body uh, body propaganda. So this first part of the, of the reset. Was, uh, was okay for everybody, really. Which is more problematic is the second part of the reset, which happened in, in Brégançon. Brégançon is a, is a summer residency of, the, of all the French presidents in the south of, the, of France. And uh, Emmanuel Macron received Vladimir Putin in August 2019. And to Vladimir Putin, he proposed first to review the European security architecture, it was not very, uh, you know, uh, how do you say, uh, good from from him. He was taking the words of the ex-president Medvedev about the security architecture, so a Russian narrative. And then he offered a a strategic partnership to to the Russian president. So it was really um, not a good idea. Uh, But I think the the most problematic part of this Brégançon meeting was that Emmanuel Macron didn't tell his European partners before that he was uh, going to offer that to, to, to Putin. He didn't even tell them that he was inviting Putin in August in Brégançon. Uh, and you know that France has always been suspected, suspected of, uh, of wanting to break her NATO, has always been uh, seen like too complacent with Russia. Everybody remember that France with, with Germany um, put its veto in the NATO summit in uh, 2008, its veto to the entry to Ukraine and Georgia in the transatlantic alliance. So really, it was a kind of, all that has alimented the the suspicion about the French intentions. Um, I think also, because Emmanuel Macron doesn't want to make a deal with Putin, and finally, when when you analyze its Russian politics after five years, he was 
he was harder than Merkel. Merkel was. He never gave up on the sanctions. Never. He was. He kept very firm on all the principles. So he was not complacent towards Russia. But he was acting um, lonely uh, without um, telling its, you know, partners from the central um, and oriental Europe. Um, there was a kind of naivety at the beginning, it's not the case anymore today, or a kind of ignorance of the nature of the Russian regime. At the, I mean, I think at the beginning of the, of the Macron believing um, on the Russian politics is this conviction that Russia is European by nature and that it has no choice to come back to Europe and to come back to the Western world. And I think that this, uh, this is the main uh, error of, of Macron. He has not um, understood that uh, I mean, Russia has built itself since uh, 2000, uh, maybe about 2014, like an anti-Western and anti-European uh, power. I think also he has not been advised by the best um, on, on its Russian policy. He has always been advised by, um, you know, ex-ministers like Chevènement, Jean-Pierre Chevènement, which has a kind of pro-Russian uh, vision, like also um, Hélène Carrère-Dancos, uh, famous uh, intellectual, but very pro-Russian. I think that uh, it's not the case anymore today. And here we come at the last uh, Russian policy of Emmanuel Macron, which is this kind of diplomatic, uh, of phone diplomacy with Vladimir Putin. A lot of people say uh, he has gained nothing. Uh, why, why is he keep... Uh, I mean, Emmanuel Macron has had like 11 phone calls with Vladimir Putin from the beginning of February. But this time, he's uh, talking with all its European partners and American partners before the phone calls and after the phone calls. He's calling also, he's connecting also each time with the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky. So you, you see that he has totally changed. Now, if the final and um, uh, I mean, if the final question is what did he achieve with Russia, um, I think that its policy has achieved uh, nothing at all. But nor the Germany uh, policy and nor the European policy. I don't, I mean, I don't see any uh, European success towards uh, Russia in the last, uh, since uh, the, the, the Normandy uh, agreement. So, um, mm. so it's definitely uh, not a success. So uh, perfect, perfect segue. Thank you very much, Isabel. Uh, I have great guests because they basically do the, the work for me of, of, of uh, transitioning to my, to my next questions. Um, the, let's talk about Europe, about the European Union. France is obviously a big player in the, in the EU. It is the second economy in the EU, the third industrial player in the EU, the first military power in the un Union. Some would be tempted to say the only military power capable 
of, of projecting power outside. Um, and, and yet, despite this position, uh, France has been struggling for a number of years to find its place in Europe. Uh, you know, whether you put that on the enlargement and its aftermath, uh, as, as some French people still do, whether it's the, you know, the, 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 the fact that the, the Franco-German couple uh, is not working as well generally as, as it used to, uh, although that is debatable these days. Um, you know, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of debates right now about, about France. And of course, France has become much more, uh, much more Eurosceptic over, uh, over the years. Um, Macron made Europe one of his main priorities. I mean, it, it, is, it, it was at the center of his program last time around. He still, you know, very much uh, bases a lot of his communication on uh, his idea about, about Europe. Do you think he has managed to bring France back at the center of the, of the EU? I mean, I would say yes and no. I do use uh, the classic uh, formula of Macron en même temps, uh, mm. at the same time, you know. Yes, uh, because, it's, because France is definitely super active on the European scene. Uh, it is present on all the diplomatic fronts, engaged in all the big crises, and it has... Um, assumed a real leadership. Yes, also, because the Franco-German uh, tandem, despite, of course, some irritations on both sides, did work. And it did, uh, uh, and it did uh, achievements like, for example, the recovery plan during the, the COVID crisis. Yes, also, because the, with, the, with the war in Ukraine, finally, the European vision on Macron is winning the vision of uh, the necessity of uh, rearmament, of uh, more commitment to power and strength. Uh, I mean, you, you, you remember that uh, two, two major taboos have been uh, skipped in, in Germany. The first one, when, when Germany decided to, um, to, to send some arms to, to Ukraine, and the second one, when the country decided to rearm itself. So it's really, really important. And it's moving in the French direction, in the French vision of Europe. Once you've said that, uh, you, you can also say that the move is very fragile. The move is very fragile because just, just before the war in Ukraine, I had the, the opposite impression. I had an impression of, of, of failure of the European project of Emmanuel Macron that Europe, Europe was absolutely unable to look after itself and to, uh, you know, uh, go further in, the, in its militarization and its, uh, in its strategic autonomy. So now we have to wait a few months to see if the, the war really um, woke Europe or if it's going to, you know, to, to disappear just after... Uh, the war in Ukraine is, is finished, if it's finished uh, uh, one day. Fragile aussi, because um, the, 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 the lonely way of acting uh, of Emmanuel Macron, even if he's done with that, has upset its partners. And, um, you know, his way of uh, speaking uh, abruptly, uh, for example, when he... Uh, he 
he opposed before the European elections the populists and nationalists on one side to the progressists of on, on the other side. The way he is very abrupt time to time towards the, the central and um, oriental countries um, is not a good idea because um, you have the, sometimes the impression that Emmanuel Macron is a leader in Europe, but he's a leader of the occidental part of Europe. Fragile also because um, once again the French economy is weak, France is becoming a, a country of, of the south, and the gap is increasing each year with, with Germany. And I'm afraid, really afraid, that one day the country will have to choose between its um, defense ambitions, its defense, uh, its international ambitions, and its social model. Um, I mean, since since Macron is, I mean, has been elected, it's not connected to him. It's it's I mean, each each French president has its social. Uh, uprising, but Macron had the uprising of the yellow jackets, the crisis of hospital, a crisis of uh, education, and really we have the impression the impression that um, um, if, it, if if France is still going like that on the uh, 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 and not uh, doing the the economic reforms uh, it needs, um, it will not be able for a long time to um, pursue its role of leading the international leading in, in, the, in the international um, area mm-hmm. that's super interesting uh, th- th- thank you so I'd like to uh, conclude my, my, my this this part of the of the podcast by, by a question about the transatlantic relationship and here you know we're we're into <laughs> We're into a difficult, a difficult conversation because uh, France is seen as a, a reliable partner in the United States, I would say, uh, mostly, but also as, as a difficult partner. Uh, I think that's also the case in other parts of the West. And, uh, you know, on, on this, maybe like in Russia, Macron seems to be in the continuity of French foreign policy, right? I mean, not not always of his own doing, but but it seems that the the, the, the relationship between France and the United States has had ups and, and downs. And, you know, when I think of, of downs, there's obviously the, the AUKUS affair, which in France is not so much about AUKUS itself, but about the, the interrupted sale of French submarines to Australia. Uh, there is, of course, the infamous brain-dead NATO comment of 2019, which, which went down uh, very badly in, in, in transatlantic circles and, and, and in the U.S. as well. Uh, there's the, the open-door policy towards Russia that we, we, we talked about. But, but there, there were also some, uh, some positive points that you, you mentioned. Some of them, the, the, the bromance between Macron and Trump was unexpected, and it, it kept the institutional uh, relationship between France and the U.S. Uh, at a high level. There's the initial hawkish reaction to Putin's invasion in Ukraine. There, there, there has been quite a lot of, of things that have, that have shown also that uh, Macron's views towards the United States was, were, were, were quite positive. So when he got elected in 2017, Macron seemed, at least to the U.S. establishment, an, an Atlantist candidate, uh, definitely more so than his rivals. And I think if you, if, if you look at, at this uh, election, he, he definitely looks 
much more Atlantis than Marine Le Pen. Uh, but do, do you see that he has been this sort of Atlantis uh, uh, president or, or is it more complicated? And, and maybe one additional question, where do you see France and the U.S. cooperating more closely in the, in the coming years? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's very funny with the French presidents because all of them prefer democracy. I mean, the, not, not only the, 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 the presidents, but the, the French elite. They all prefer the Democrats in the United States. I mean, no country uh, has been more Obamaniac than France was. It was absolutely amazing. <coughs> but on, on the other side, um, the elite and the, and the political uh, uh, elite is always uh, getting on better with the, with the Republicans. So it's, it's, it's really funny. To, to summarize, I would say that uh, Macron has been an Atlantic president, but in a context of uh, uh, retreat of the Americans, which, uh, you know, is very... Uh, difficult to, to, to handle for, for, for a, a president which is aware that the world is changing and that uh, uh, the, the United States will, uh, you know, definitely uh, go, look towards uh, Asia and China and uh, trying to speed its partners to uh, tell them, wake up, we, we have to do things by, by ourselves. But AUKUS, of course, has been a major traumatism for uh, Macron, but uh, there was also another traumatism, which was uh, under Obama, which was a Syrian traumatism. Do you remember in, in, in August 2013 when Barack Obama just uh, uh, decided not to go um, not to act militarily in Syria to punish the, the regime of Bashar al-Assad, which had committed a new chemical massacre, and it was a red line which was decided by Obama, and the French were let in the, in the middle of the nature uh, with the, their planes, uh, which were ready to... to, <laughs> to to, to go in Syria, and it, it, this has been a major shock, like like AUKUS. Despite that, uh, Macron is still an Atlantist. You know, more than that, he's uh, one of the more Atlantist uh, uh, president of all the of all the candidates we have. Uh, we really have uh, other candidates like Marine Le Pen or Mélenchon or Éric Zemmour, who are uh, really. Um, not Atlantist, willing to uh, quit NATO, to distance themselves from the United States, and to have closer relationship with uh, with Russia. So, you know, it's 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 not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yes, and the additional question: where where I would see the cooperation between France and the Americans in Sahel, definitely because uh, France will have to stay, even if, if France is leaving uh, Mali and the area because of uh, Wagner uh, and Russia and China, which are really pushing France outside of the, of the African continent, but it will have to uh, stay in the area to fight against terrorism. And probably that the United States will uh, participate indirectly or directly 
uh, to this uh, fight against terrorism. I see another uh, opportunity of cooperation in uh, Russia, depending on the evolution of the crisis, um, in the reassurance process in Eastern Europe, and last one on the uh, Iran nuclear GCPOA um, uh, issue, which is not uh, quite uh, finished. And uh, voilà. this is the three main area in which the uh, uh, United States and France will probably continue to cooperate. Mm-hmm. And in, indeed, in, uh, in, in Europe and, and Central Europe, with the, the, the war in Ukraine, uh, there is a whole new security situation that is evolving. And, and, and obviously, mm-hmm. that, that, that is going to require mm-hmm. a lot of coordination. And, and I guess as the, the biggest army in, in continental Europe, France will have, uh, will have a role to play there. Um, we're, we're getting to the, the end of this show. But uh, before I let you go, Isabel, I'd, I'd like to invite you to take part in, in what we call our Q&A lightning session. It's very simple. I'm going to ask you three very short questions and going to ask you to provide three very short answers. Uh, yes, no, a couple of words, nothing more. Is this okay for you? Yeah, it's okay. Okay, so let's start. Uh, question number one. If you had to define Emmanuel Macron's foreign policy in just one word, what would that be? Uh, very dynamic. Uh, question number two. What was uh, Emmanuel Macron's uh, biggest achievement over the past five years? Europe. And question number three. What was his biggest failure? Russia. Okay, well, that was very, very short answers and, and, and very good. So we, I guess we're going to leave it here. Isabel, thanks once again for taking the time to discuss French foreign policy with us. I'm sure uh, we will all watch very carefully the outcome of the French presidential uh, uh, election and the second one with uh, Emmanuel Macron and uh, Marine Le Pen, sort of repeat uh, five years ago. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to follow Isabelle Lasserre on Twitter, you can uh, find her at Isabelle Lasserre. If you read French, you should also definitely read her pieces on Le, Le Figaro, uh, where she writes uh, regularly. And uh, obviously her book, uh, Macron Le Disruptor, Le Disruptor uh, which came out just a couple of months ago, it's really a great read. Uh, and what, whatever the results of the presidential uh, uh, election this Sunday. Uh, on our side, we haven't moved. We are still at IRI Global and at Think Atlantic uh, on Twitter. With our website is iri.org. For those of you who are still thinking about informing yourself about the situation in France uh, electorally, uh, I really invite you to check out our last uh, podcast episode, which we recorded with uh, Bruno Jambar. Uh, this is the end of this episode of Think Atlantic, the podcast that provides you with thought leadership for the future of the transatlantic space. Many thanks to Brianna Kerr and Romain Lequinu for producing this series. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of a slightly different kind. No more French election, uh, I promise. But in the meantime, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and of course, share it with your friends and colleagues. We'll love it when we get more listeners. Thanks a lot for listening in. Thanks a lot to those of you who come back regularly to listen to our episodes. Uh, There are a lot of podcasts out there and we appreciate your loyalty. Thanks very much and talk to you soon.